In the world of business, profit is everything. Those that are not profitable are condemned from memory. And the most important business of all is watching anime. Welcome back to the Weekly Anime Performance Review. No, you can't do this to me. <laughs> the show where we review the performance of Anime Weekly. Oh my god. I am your... We are your three high-powered business executives. I am Chris, your new CEO of Weeds. I'm John, and I'm currently working to reclaim my title. <laughs> and I'm Andrew... <laughs> I've done that before, haven't I? Maybe. I feel like I maybe I don't know. <laughs> this is terrifying. Like, I, I was not briefed on this. Do you not remember last week? Uh, yeah, you did steal it from me because I wanted to say something about JoJo Part Six. We are starting a new season today, and we will be going through all of the shows for. The upcoming season and giving our initial thoughts of them. I think we've all watched the PVs for most, if not all, of these. Yep. And mm-hmm. uh, yeah, but yeah, it's like any of our other hiring episodes. We're gonna each pick a show that's our pick for the season, and then uh, the others will go to a poll, and you guys will determine what the other seven shows we watch this season are. So you better not pick trash. All right. So we have 32 resumes here to look at. Uh, so I'm very excited to get into this. Let's let's just start from the top with the show 86, which is first in alphabetic order by the virtue of the fact that its title is a number. Uh, I will read the first description. The Republic of San Magnolia. For a long time, this country has been besieged by its neighbor, the Giardian Empire which created a series of unmanned drones called the Legion. After years of painstaking research, the Republic finally developed autonomous drones of their own, turning the one-sided struggle into a war without casualties. At least, that's what the government claims. In truth, there is no such thing as a bloodless war. Beyond the fortified walls protecting the 85 Republic territories lies the non-existent 86th sector. The young men and women of this forsaken land are branded the 86th and stripped of their humanity, pilot the unmanned weapons into battle. Shin directs the actions of a detachment of young 86ers while on the battlefield. Lena is a handler who commands the detachment from the remote rear with the help of special communication. The farewell story of the severe and sad struggle of these two begins. What is that last sentence? <laughs> uh, but I, I thought the PV of this one was really cool looking. Yeah. Like, it's, it's, I, it's not exactly mecha. It's like mecha adjacent. <laughs> so... Tell me if I'm wrong, but this kind of feel almost gives off first season Attack on Titan vibes. Yeah, yeah, also that. With the aesthetic especially, and just... Mm-hmm. It's like, um... I guess it is Mecha, just the Mecha aren't humanoid. Well, maybe, maybe the Giardian Mecha really are unmanned. Or maybe they are manned, they're just... I don't know. But it seems pretty cool. I, I like the idea here. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I don't know if I... I'd pick it, but I wouldn't mind watching it. I also loved the music in the in the PV. I thought it was hype as hell. Yeah. So this would this would be a definite watch for me. I would um I would gladly watch this one. I will say, um, hot take. I don't think I like mecha anime. <laughs> That's fair. I do. Because just looking back and like I didn't care for this all that much. I'm in a similar position to Andrew where I don't think I care about mecha anime, but it's also, I feel like that doesn't mean I'm just going to count it out as a genre. I just might not choose to watch them. Next up on the list is Bakuten. The story follows Shotaro Futaba, a boy who's fascinated with men's rhythmic gymnastics and enrolled at the Al High School to join the school's team. The story follows a team of unique seniors and Yoshiya Misato, a classmate who's famous in high school rhythmic gymnastics tournaments, who run toward 
you run together toward one goal. It, it seems like a lot of the sports anime we've watched in the past on this show. Yeah. Many of many of which haven't gotten very far. Uh, but in particular, this one reminds me a lot of Skate Leading Stars, and that might just be because the activity is similar. It's got a different vibe yeah. than that, though, probably. Although I don't remember what the PV for that show was like. I don't either. I don't. I think the PV was kind of a nothing burger. For skating stars, you mean? Yeah, yeah, like it just it was just kind of like, yeah, we're gonna be doing a skate sport. Just pretty much what this was, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Except this one it didn't feel like everyone was against everyone else like they were in skate leading no. stars. And I think they're only gonna have a cast of it looks like five people. Yeah. At least five people that were following their characters. Yeah, it Okay. I think it's going to be better than Skate Leading Stars, but it's it's hard to say because we've been burned by stuff like this before, you know? Yeah. yeah. Uh, certainly, I think one of the biggest flaws of sports anime can have is too many characters. Yes. Yeah, I think we'll get to that at some point. <laughs> All right. Uh, do we have any other thoughts on this one right now? No. All right. So that is Bakugan. Uh Andrew? All right, next is Battle Athletus Dayundo Kai Restart! Exclamation point. <laughs> it starts in all capitals. Yes. Aspiring athletes from around the galaxy gather to compete in a tournament where the winner will be crowned the Cosmic Beauty. What begins as rivalry grows into friendship among the athletes, including a lunar refugee and her kangaroo companion, the daughter of an arms-dealing CEO, a mysterious loner, an Earth representative, a humble potato farmer named Kanata Akehoshi. Are we sure this isn't like a remake or a sequel? I can check. Because something about having restart in the title and something about the character designs looks like early 2000s to me. (laughs) Okay, yeah, it's so this is a reboot manga of something that came out in 1997. But it's a reboot, not a remake. Yeah, so. So if we still want to go for it, that's that's cool. I'm good keeping it. I will say this looks. I don't know. It, it's hard to say. It feels a lot like it's going to be like the moral of everything. Because yeah, we're friends. Welcome to sports anime. It doesn't seem like something that I'd be like, oh fuck yeah, we got to watch that one. But like, it's weird because it sounds like, from what the, both the. PB and the summary, they're trying to pull like, oh, look at all these weird characters, but I don't, that doesn't interest me for some reason on this. Like, it, I'm just like, mm. that might be because it's being marketed as a reboot. So it's not, here's the plot, it's, hey, here's all these characters you love. Maybe. Yeah, that could be it. Next up on the list is Bishonen Tanteiden. Tanteiden, excuse me. Mayumi Dojima. A second-year student at the exclusive Yubiwa Academy Middle School has lost something. A star she glimpsed just once, ten long years ago. But help is on the way, in the form of the unofficial, secretive, and thoroughly mysterious Pretty Boy Detective Club. Rumored to to solve mysteries within the school, most of which they themselves might as well have created, for reasons aesthetic rather than financial, these five gorgeous boys sweep Miami into their world of excitement, danger, and overwhelming beauty. So I've I've seen people on Twitter call this, like, compare this to Orin High School Host Club. I can see how that would make that yeah. comparison. Uh, it actually made me think a little bit as well of Outburst Dreamer Boys. Yeah, I see that also. Because, uh, like, they are a little chuny, a little bit. This feels more like it's leaning into the, oh, they're hot? Yeah. Outburst that was Dreamer not Boys what was that just... show was about. Yeah. Outburst right. Dreamers Boys was they're crazy. Yes. Well, she thought some of them were hot, but Yeah. But she was like their their hotness is wasted on them, as I recall. Yeah, that's I feel like though they're not going to play up the chuny side of this all that much. Probably not. Yeah. <laughs> or at least not in the way that Outburst Dreamer Boys did. Right. Like, being crazy is just going to be an aspect of this world, not... Yeah, yeah. 
It feels like if they play the pretty boy detective club, like the pretty boy side of it up too much, then every joke will just be, oh, look, ha ha ha, person makes main girl flustered or whatever, you know? Not the characters having quirks that can play off each other. Uh, But I don't hate the look of it. It looks really cool. Yeah. Like the aesthetically, it looked really good. Mm hmm. I, I did like that. So if it's is if it's as if it's written as well as it looks, then it'll probably be pretty good. Uh, next up on the list, uh, Blue Reflection Ray. This is a story of connecting, shining emotions, joy, sadness, anger. Feelings are a power invisible to the eye that everyone, every person possesses. Sometimes this power is even capable of changing the world. Hiyori Hirahara has always ha- always has a positive attitude and can't leave people in trouble alone. Ruki Hanari is socially awkward. She wants to get along well with others, but she doesn't know how to go about it. How will the meeting of these two wildly different girls change not only them, but the world itself? Magic Yuri. <laughs> it's a magical girl. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's straight magical girls. Not many. Yeah. Not anymore. There used to be. Didn't Sailor Moon have a boyfriend or something? Yeah, yeah. She was. Yeah, her whole thing was fighting evil by moonlight, winning love by daylight. Of course, I guess it doesn't have to be straight, but. Yeah. However. She was. <laughs> she was were her sidekicks. <laughs> no, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> there was like no fantastical elements in the PV that I watched. Right, like the poster had them posing with like swords and stuff, and like the PV was just oh high school. There were two different PVs, one for each character. If okay, um, and they were more magical girl. Okay, so this is more magical girl than that other PV. Let's on yeah, uh, but yeah, it's I, I, it seems all right. I don't I don't know if we we haven't really watched much magical girl except for Kill La Kill. I, I think I don't think we've had any magical girl. Yeah, I just don't think we've had any. Uh, next up on the list is Card Fight! Exclamation point, exclamation point. Vanguard Overdress. Yu Yu is a boy living in Kanazawa, Kaga province. He is 15 years old and in his third year of junior high school. He has the ability to sense the feelings of others, but he is troubled by the fact that he cannot say no when asked. One day, Yu can no longer stand going along with his sister's hobby, so he ran away from home. The one who saves him is Megumi Okura, Megumi invites Yuyu to a nighttime amusement park called Wonder Hill, where her friends hang out. At the amusement park, Yuyu meets Megumi, Zaksua, Zakusa Ishikame, and Tomari Seto, members of Team Blackout, a group that meets to play Vanguard every night. Tonight, a serious fight for the team's flag will take place. Blackout's leader, Danji Momoyama, and the mysterious and powerful fighter, Tuya Ibata, and as Yuyu stares at them, the card fight is soon eroded into a world of images. This is how Yu encounters Vanguard, a world he has never seen before, and is drawn in by its powerful allure, making new friends along the way. So, I don't really know much about the card fight franchise. Is it like Yu-Gi-Oh! Where, where the fate of the world is determined by children's card games, or is it more low stakes than that? I think it is. I think it's at least a competitor to Yu-Gi-Oh! I don't know how high the stakes get. Mm-hmm. I mean, this sounds fairly low stakes at first, at least. That's how it always starts. Yeah. It I seems like, like this, based on the summary, it's about like rival card gangs. Yu-Gi-Oh! rarely starts out with, if you lose the duel, you die. Like, I, I honestly don't know, don't have much to say about this other than it seems like Yu-Gi-Oh! And I think Yu-Gi-Oh! is pretty pog. I've been known to enjoy a children's card game every once in a while. Like, honestly, Yu-Gi-Oh! is pretty fun if you just accept the world as it is. Mm-hmm. It's a world that runs on children's card games. Uh, Next up on the list is Kestus, the Roman fighter. 54 AD, Kestus, a young boy orphaned by the Roman Empire and made a slave, is placed into a trading school for pugilists. It is here that he begins his journey to defy fate and fight for his own freedom. Man, it's not often you see period pieces in anime that are set outside Japan. Uh, So this could be really interesting. Uh, I mean, there was also like Vinland Saga that came out. I really wanted to watch that one, but it was only on Amazon Prime. Yeah, this one seems interesting. It reminds me a lot of the movie Gladiator. Yeah, it and it's mostly 3D animation, right? Yeah, it looks like it. At least, yeah, from what we saw. Mm-hmm. And it looked pretty good. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What, what studio is doing this? Uh, Bandai Namco Pictures. 
I didn't know there was a studio that was just called that. Me neither. I think it it looks like a general sports anime just set in Rome. I mean, that's that's Which, enough to make it really interesting. Yeah, right. That might be all that it needs. That's what sports was. That's what the sports animes were missing. Rome. Rome. <laughs> you guys got anything else? No, it just looks neat. Yeah. I want to watch this one. I don't know if it's enough, enough to pick it, but yeah. So next up is Dragon Ia Wokel. Uh, when a dragon fails to live up to the fearsome standard set for him, his family kicks him out. He embarks on a quest to find a new home, but soon finds that life on the road is no place for a cowardly beast of legend. In a fantasy world full of elves, dwarves, and other mythical creatures, where everyone wants a piece of him, literally, the frustrations of house hunting reach a whole new level. <laughs> I, uh, I really like the dragon's voice. Yeah. It's a very funny contrast, obviously, with his design, and it fits his character pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, this is the first of a lot of these shows that I've seen the first episode of. Yeah, it was it was fine. Like, it's exactly what it sounds like. It was fine, he says. Yeah, yeah it, it looks it looks fun. I mean, it looks like your kind of fantasy anime comedy thing. Uh, for better, for worse. Uh, but yeah, I I think I would probably give this one a watch if it was just up to me. Yeah. I mean, it can be up to you. Next up on the list. Set in a world of cruelty and heartbreak, Fairy Ranmu Anata no Tokuro Otasuke Shinmasu follows five young men who work at the mysterious Bar F and who offer to heal the hearts of their clients, wiping away their tears and causing smiles to bloom like flowers. They take no payment aside from stealing their clients' hearts. Is this a magical boy anime? <laughs> Possibly. I, I think it is. Revolution. Well, it's hard to say if it's going to be magical boy or if it's going to be like a host club type of thing. I think it's both. Fair. Because <laughs> like they have like the transformations. Uh, it's yeah, it's it's uh, I mean, it looks pretty interesting for like your kind of low fantasy setup. Uh. Character designs are kind of out there, of course. Yeah. Uh, I don't mind that so much. Yeah. I think they're kind of interesting. Uh, I wouldn't say it's necessarily my favorite, though. Uh, so do we have anything else on this one right now? No. All right. No, not really. Uh, next up on the list is Fumetsu no Anata-e. Uh, it, a, mysteriously, a mysterious immortal being, is sent to the Earth with no emotions nor identity. However, it is able to take the shape of those around it that have a strong impetus. At first, it is a sphere. Then, it imitates the form of a rock. As the temperature drops and the snow falls atop the moss, it inherits the moss. When an injured lone wolf comes limping by and lays down to die, it takes the form of the animal. Finally, it gains consciousness and begins to traverse the empty tundra until it meets a boy. The boy lives alone in a ghost town with the adults abandoned long ago in search of the paradise said to exist far beyond the endless sea of white tundra. However, their efforts were for naught, and now the boy is in a critical state. Acquiring the form of the boy, it sets off on a never-ending journey in search of new experiences, places, and people. The boy's gonna die, right? I mean, I think it's kind of implied that he's already dead. <laughs> I, I think it's just that it takes the form of things that are dead. Yeah. Or things that die around it, rather. Feels kind of like it gives thing like the smalling the forest spirit vibes almost of like someone discovering the world. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Probably a little darker than that show. Oh yeah, where it's just kind of traveling around and seeing new characters and just how they interact. Mm -hmm. Right, it's a travelogue. Mm -hmm. And a bit of the main character discovering what humanity is, kind of. Yeah, or parts of it. I can't tell if this is supposed to be post-apocalyptic or um, or prehistoric. I feel like it's probably in... Like, it's going to be... Like, it's not set in, like, the classic Old West setting, but it's going to be that type of show. And it's... Where, like, it's just kind of the wild frontier and... Yeah, it's. It, I think this one seems really, really cool. Uh... I would enjoy watching this one a lot. Next up on the list, 
Koi Toyobu Niwa Kimochi Warue. Once you fall for someone, you can't stop the love. A strange encounter spurs the meeting of Amakusa Ryu, a high-spec businessman who is loose with women, and his high school sister's best friend, Arima Ichika. From there, he falls madly in love. On one hand, he approaches her with almost two straightforward methods, while she responds simply disgusted, which she should, insulting him without hesitation, and he takes it as her way of showing love. This is a romantic comedy about a twisted elite employee and a normal otaku high school girl. Okay, I get the fact that Japan has a different view of age gaps than we do, but still, I don't like. It doesn't mean I have to like it. Yeah, I guess the problem is that it's someone who is an adult and is an established adult, and someone who is still in high school. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like. It's not like they're mutually falling in love. He falls in love with her first and is kind of coercing her into it, is how it seems. Right. And, like, it'd be... I don't want to say it'd be watchable, but, like... I wouldn't be against giving it a try if it was like, oh, he's in college or something. It's like, well, at least... But, like... I don't know. It's just... When the younger person is not able to make an adult choice, or at least it doesn't feel like they're able to, that's where it gets really iffy. Yeah. Uh, gross and weird. Yeah. Uh, next up on the list. Hikahira. Office worker Yoshida has been crushing on his worker Airi Goto for five years. Despite finally scoring a date with her, his confession is promptly rejected. Drunk and disappointed, he stumbles home, only to find a high school girl sitting on the side of the road. The girl, needing a place to stay for the night, attempts to seduce Yoshida. Despite rejecting her advances, he nevertheless invites her into his apartment. The next morning, the girl, introducing herself as Sayu Ogira, reveals that she has run away from Hokkaido all the way to Tokyo. During her six-month spree, she continually traded sexual favors for a roof over her head. Yoshida, however, remains unswayed by her seduction. Instead, he has her do a different kind of work, one that entails washing dishes and doing laundry. And so, a touching relationship between a heartbroken adult and a runaway high school girl begins. Yeah. So I'm just going to say, I think the advantage this one has over the other is that it's at least like a mutual falling in love and not just this adult is in love with this high schooler. Right. It's still, I still don't love it. Yeah. It it seems like it's at least might go the route more of like she does actually fall for him, Mm -hmm. isn't coerced type of thing. Yeah. That doesn't mean it's still good, but at least it's better? I think it's better. I still don't love it, though. I I think I already said that, but that's okay. I would say that I don't want to watch either of these. Next up on the list is uh, Ijira Naide uh, Nagatoro-san. High schooler Hayase Nagatoro loves to spend her free time doing one thing, and that is to bully her senpai. After Nagatoro and her friends stumble upon the aspiring artist's drawings, they find enjoyment in mercilessly bullying the timid senpai. Nagatoro resolves to continue her cruel game and visits him daily so that she can force senpai into doing whatever interests her at the time, especially if it makes him uncomfortable. Sully aroused by and somewhat fearful of Nagatoro, senpai is constantly roped into her antics as his interests, hobbies, appearance, and even personality are used against him as she entertains herself at his expense. As time goes on, Senpai realizes that he doesn't dislike Nagatoro's presence, and the two of them develop an uneasy friendship as one patiently puts up with the antics of the other. I've been seeing memes of this manga for literal years. Same. Yeah. Uh, back when I used to look at anime memes before it turned into a trash subreddit from hell. I've seen people, like, talking about how this is good, but, like, from this summary alone, I haven't read it, I don't know really that much about it, but there's some red flags here. Yeah. What it most reminds me of is uh, Uzaki-chan, which I know you guys didn't really like. I mean, I didn't love it either. I liked it a little more than you guys. Yes, but she doesn't bully. Like, I have read a bit of the manga, and I've, I watched the first episode of this. And I think the big difference is that Uzaki, it's, it comes across more as, like, they're friendly and 
it's not meant to be rude. Whereas I feel like Nagatoro crosses the line a few times. Also, his name is literally just Senpai. Yeah. Does he have a name? I he might. He I never saw it when I was reading. He's been around since show number one, and they still haven't given him a name. Yeah. And like I think there is deeper stuff than that. It just doesn't address that in the first episode. Which, to be fair, what good manga would so what could anime adapted from a manga would, right? Yeah. Like, I'm not saying that they can't have a healthy relationship, but this is a hell of a way to start it. Yeah. Well, it's also one of those things where if you're watching it from the perspective that Nagatoro fell in love with him as soon as they met, then it comes off a bit more as she's afraid of her own feelings, and so she's teasing him to try to hide them and, like, Max Sundere. Which, like, that doesn't really excuse it, but... It doesn't, but it's better. But is that casier? I... Yeah. Considering that it's labeled rom-com in some places, I think it is. From the beginning, though. The thing is, this could be a good story of people who don't get along getting along eventually like but it could also be fetishizing this type of relationship type of thing like next up on the list Joran the princess of snow and blood set in alternate history Japan in 1931 and the 64th year of the Meiji era the Tokugawa shogunate was never abolished and emperor Meiji was never restored to power the anime will follow the activities of Nue, an organization of shogunate executioners who enforce the government. The country has developed its own energy source, in, its own energy source, the Dragon Brain, and has achieved a unique development in which science and the Edo period are mixed. However, behind the glamorous city, the dissident organization Kuchinawa strives to overthrow the administration, while the Nue of the Tokugawa regime who was entrusted with its extermination, are in conflict. Sawa Yukimura, whose family was killed when she was young, continues to search for Janome, the executioner of the Nue. Is this cyberpunk in the past? It's like, it's, it's, that's called steampunk, Andrew. No, it's definitely cyberpunk. This is absolutely a steampunk. Because I feel like, okay. It has more like the bright light, flashy aesthetics of cyberpunk, though, I felt. I might have to look again. Something I noticed in the OP is that the um, there were almost like no colors aside from red. I was just say it looks interesting. Yeah, it seems kind of neat. I, I, I do like the concept, actually. Yeah. And I'm interested to see what the effects of um, like the Meiji Restoration never happening would be. It's also just really interesting, like, it just looks really cool in, like, the fighting and stuff, all the animation. Yeah, I I don't know if it's just technology, but it almost looks like there's some sort of magic something. It could just be technology. I think it's a uh, a Clark's Third Law kind of thing. Where, like, it is magic, or it is technology, it just seems like magic. Yeah. Um, Clark's third law, uh, I believe uh, it goes, uh, sufficiently advanced technology is indistinguishable from magic. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably what it is. Uh, next up. Kyo Kyo Ku? Yeah, sure. Um, Shinkashida Full Dive RPG ga Genjitsu Yori mo Kusoge Datora. In an unexpected turn of events, dull high school student Hiro Yuki it paints the full-dive role-playing game Kiwami Quest. Created by the best of technology, the game claims to take reality to its extremes, from stunning graphics, NPCs' behaviors, to the scent of vegetation, and even the sensation of wind brushing against the skin. Everything was a result of an ultimate workmanship. Except, the game is a little too realistic and messy to clear. Kiwami Quest features over 10 quadrillion flags and reflects the player's real-life physical abilities in the game. 
Being hit in the game also hurts in real life, and slash wounds take days to heal. The only reward here is a sense of accomplishment. Conquer the most successful game in history that can't be played casually. So they they uh, they tried so hard to make the game realistic, they forgot to make it fun. Yeah. I feel like that's happened in real life before with some games. 100%. Yeah. It's kind of feels like SAO, but you're not stuck. You're just a masochist. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's what it sounds like, yes. I'm not a masochist. I'm just simulating SAO. But yeah, that word kusoge just means literally literally means shit game in Japanese. Uh, and like, there's like fandoms for various famous kusoge in Japan. Nice. I mean, someone always likes the game. Yeah, there, there's I can't remember the name of the actual name of the game, but there is a JRPG for the Famicom that's so bad that everybody in Japan just calls it Densetsu no Kusoge, the legendary shit game. <laughs> Uh, and like it's so popular that they're re-releasing it on the Switch. Nice. I don't, is this like you die in the game, you die in real life, right? I don't know. You feel pain in the game, you feel pain in real I've, life. So I've I watched the first episode of this, and the tone of the show isn't really an "if you die in the game, you die in real life" kind of tone. I figured because it looked like a comedy, right? Yeah. To be fair, it could be kind of making fun of shit games, you know? Yeah. Like, that could be kind of what it's supposed to do. Well, I think it's more making fun of realism in gaming. Like, trying to make things realistic. It looks interesting, but I I don't think we'd watch all of it, but it it might be worth a couple episodes, you know? (laughs) Next up on the list is Mars Red. Uh, Mars Red takes place in 1923, and vampires have existed for quite a while. But now the number of vampires is increasing, and a mysterious artificial blood source called Ascra has arrived, has appeared. The Japanese government, in turn, creates Code Zero, a unit within the army tasked with hunt- taking down the vampiric forces. And what better way to track down vampires than by using vampires? Created by Lieutenant General Nakajima, this unit has historically been in the business of information war but has been reassigned to solve the vampire crisis what the fuck <laughs> vampires yeah. killing other vampires what's there not to understand yeah yeah okay so i also watched the first episode of this one and it kind of like do you know the you remember the second episode of fire force when arthur goes in and he kills the infernal and they they're and it's like a big somber scene because they're realizing that the infernals are people too. Yeah. That's that's kind of what this show gives me the vibe of. At least on the first episode. That's better than whatever I thought it was. What did you think it was? I have no idea, dude. <laughs> like, some almost, like, mystery something or other? I don't know. I mean, I might... mean I'm sure there's going to be a mystery. Yeah. Like, there, there is a mystery aspect to it. I was just thinking Helsing. That's about a vampire fighting vampires. <laughs> yeah. Except it's in Japan instead of England. Yeah, the first episode was about trying to track down the vampire that turned another person into a vampire. And so, like, it was a mystery kind of there. I think it's really good aesthetically. I don't know if that could carry it all the way, but it it would be fun for a few episodes at least. Next up on the list. Uh, Mashuro no Oto. Shamisen is a traditional Japanese musical instrument that looks similar to a guitar. Teenager Sawamura Setsu's grandfather, who raised him and his older brother Wakana, recently passed away. His grandfather was one of the greatest Shamisen players, and the two siblings grew up listening to him play and learning to play the instrument. Since their grandfather's death, Setsu dropped out of high school, moved to Tokyo, and has been drifting, not knowing what to do besides play his Shamisen. That's when his successful and rich mother, Umeko, storms into his life and tries to shape Setsu up. 
She enrolls him back into high school, but little does Setsu know that he is about to rediscover his passion for Shamisen. I like music anime. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Shamisen seems like a cool instrument. Mm-hmm. It reminded me of the second episode of Zombieland Saga. Where yeah. uh, Yugiri pulls a, a shamisen out of nowhere to contribute to the beat. Uh, and I like that show a lot, so anything that can remind me of it is good. <laughs> I feel like we haven't watched enough music anime. We really haven't. The only concern is that it's going to slow down or like it's not going to be that interesting, all things considered. I think it's kind of both of the music anime and a slice of life anime more than anything. So I watched the first two episodes of this one. And I, I thought it was really good. Like I think I think the um, music scenes in this are really good. And I, yeah, I just, I think they're handled really well. And I feel, because I feel like they actually put the emphasis on the music. Whereas a lot of music anime will, they'll be playing music, but then they'll cut and not play what they're actually playing. Yeah, it's about the emotion or something that is happening right then. Which isn't always bad, but. Plus the ED slaps. All right, Odd Taxi. City which should be familiar. There's the feeling of something a little different. Otokawa is a taxi driver who lives an ordinary life, taxing some quirky customers around. A slightly eccentric stranger who has uh, no relatives nor any relations with other people. Otokawa's hobby is to listen to Rakugo, yeah, Rakugo on the radio before going to bed. For the time being, the only people he can consider as friends are his family doctor, Guruki, and his high school classmate, Kakihara Kawasawa, a college student who wants a buzz. Shirakawa, a nurse who's hiding something. Cleaning group Homo sapiens, who isn't selling well. City hoodlum Dobu, and the rookie idol group Mystery Kiss. The conversations with these people, which should not have meant much, lead to a girl who disappeared. I'm going to be honest, yep. I didn't get that last part from the trailer. Yeah, the trailer was just kind of, hey, look, this weird. At least that's what I felt. I thought the, tra- the trailer felt more like it was going to be each episode there was someone else in the taxi and he would just kind of learn about their lives and like it would be like a quote-unquote monster of the week type show that could be how it is and then near the end there starts to be something or i'm just wrong but if it's a prediction chris that's fair i am always right you've been wrong you said mega car mega car hasn't happened yet everyone said mega car okay now we have to watch odd taxi (laughs) Odd Taxi's gonna have Mega Car Odd Taxi's gonna be Mega Car Mega Car I mean it looks interesting It's at least um, It should be mentioned These are like animals or something Like it's Some Zootopia looking thing Yeah Uh, Or Africa Salary Man That's probably more accurate It reminds me more of Beastars Yeah That's the best one yet I was just saying that as a bit. Next up on the list is Osana Najimi Zetai ni Makenai Love Comedy. Uh, my childhood friend Shida Kuroha seems to have feelings for me. She lives next door and is small and cute. With an outgoing character, she's the caring Onesan type, this being one of her greatest strengths. But I already have my first love, the beautiful idol of our school and the award-winning author, Kachi, Kachi Shirokusa. Think about it rationally. I should have no chance with her. But, while walking home from school, she only talks to me. With a smile, even. I might actually have a chance, don't you think? Or so I thought. But then I heard that Chirakusa already has a boyfriend, and my life took a turn for the worse. I want to die. But why is it not me? <laughs> even though she was my first love. As I was drowning in despair and depression, Kuroha whispered, If it's that tough for you, then how about we get revenge? The best revenge ever, that is... No. <laughs> This, uh, definitely watching the preview of this one, uh, I put this in my notes, uh, this is gonna be the show this season where Chris binges all the light novels before we finish it. Yeah, like, like, I've, I've had my eye on this on Bookwalker for a while. (laughs) (laughs) I will say my only problem 
is that I don't like the idea of dating for revenge. I think that's stupid to make someone jealous like that. Yeah. But that might not, like, you know, stuff will happen. Yeah, honestly, for anyone who has seen it, this this show gives me big um, Oresuki vibes. But yeah, I, I I would pick this one, but I have a feeling I someone else might. Next on the list. Sayonara Watashi no Kramer. With no soccer accomplishments to speak of during the entirety of Sumire Sao's junior high school years, the young wing gets an odd offer. So's main rival, Midori Soshizaki, invites her to join up on the same team in high school with a promise that she'll never let Sel play, al- play alone. It's an earnest offer, but the question is whether So will take her up on it. Thus, the curtain opens on a story that collects an enormous cast of individual soccer-playing personalities. I'm sorry, but um, what's our biggest problem with sports anime? Too many fucking characters. And how many characters are on the poster? <laughs> well, it says, it, and he even brags about having an enormous cast. <laughs> uh, also, the title just makes me think of Kramer from uh, from <laughs> Seinfeld. <laughs> Goodbye, Mike Kramer. Yeah. Kramer, Mike Kramer. I was, I was in the same boat as y'all were, but then I saw that this was adapted from a manga by the same uh, author as Your Lie in April, which I really enjoyed. Is that the violin one? Yeah, it's the violin one. Or I guess piano one. I don't know. We've An enormous cast is not something that I think is a good idea in most anime. Yeah. I don't want a sports anime. I don't want it. I don't mind sports anime. I just don't like it when they give us 20 characters and expect us to like them all. Yeah. That's fair. It's like that rugby anime we had to watch. <laughs> they didn't even actually play rugby. No, not in the episode we watched. I think we, yeah. played the one right after they did. That one had a smaller cast. It was just everyone was a named character. I think there was too much, like, baggage, kind of. Yeah. And so it felt like there was stuff going on that we didn't know about, honestly. Yeah. Um, Seijo no Marioku wa Bano Desu. Sei, a 20-year-old office worker, is best way to a whole new world. Unfortunately for Sei, the ritual that summoned her meant to produce a saint who would banish the dark magic, brought two people over instead of one. And everyone prefers the second girl over Sei. But this is just fine by Sei, who leaves the palace to set up shop making potions and cosmetics with her newfound magic. Business is booming, and this might not be a, such a bad life after all, as long as her supposed sainthood doesn't come back to haunt her. If the other person isn't int, then that is a missed opportunity. <laughs> Saint. <laughs> Andrew's, Andrew's been waiting about 24 hours for this. Yes. So, this is an isekai. Uh... And I have decided as a policy to not go into Isekai with any expectations anymore. Fair. That way I can never be disappointed. (laughs) (laughs) This summary sounds almost like grown-up bookworm. Yeah. It's hard to say if that's actually what's happening, though. But And that's not a bad thing. I'm just... So I watched the first episode. And yeah, I I thought it it was good. Um... It basically ends on a cliffhanger. I mean, kind of. Yeah, yeah. Like it ends on a cliffhanger of like, did she reveal her magic? Basically, it's at least a good concept. I'm glad that we're starting to have animes where it's like, this person's the chosen one, but like, not really. Yeah, I mean, I feel like there's nothing here that hasn't been done. Yeah. And remember, I I refuse to have expectations for an isekai anymore. Next up on the list, Sentoin Hakenshimas. Uh, always bring a gun to a sword fight. With world domination nearly in their grasp, the supreme leaders of the Kisaragi Corporation, an underground criminal group turned evil megacorp, have decided to try their hands at interstellar conquest. 
A quick dice roll nominates their chief operative, Combat Agent 6, to be the one to explore an alien planet. And the first thing he does when he gets there is to change the sacred incantation for a holy ritual to the most embarrassing thing he can think of. But evil deeds are business as usual for Kisaragi operatives. So if Six, w- Six wants a promotion or an raise, he'll have to work much harder than that. For starters, he'll have to do something about the other group of villains on the planet who are calling themselves the Demon Lord's Army or whatever. After all, this world doesn't need two evil organizations. This is a comedy, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It's an Isa comedy. It's not an isekai in like the strictest sense, because technically it's like on another planet out in space instead of a parallel world, but what's the difference? Um, I don't know, because Isekai normally they're they're discovering their new power though, and I don't think I think I... he already knows his power. I don't know. Yeah. I still think it falls under the umbrella. I don't think Isekai is necessarily about discovering the power. I think that's just a common trope in it. Yeah, it seems like it could be fun, but I don't know. So I watched the first episode. <laughs> I thought it was fine. I um, I think it's based. It seems to me like it's it has similar vibes to Konosuba. I don't know if it's necessarily quite as good. It's it's a fun time. Uh, it seems okay. Again, no expectations for Isekai. <laughs> Seven Nights Revolution is set in a world where aeons ago valiant heroes fought against the forces of destruction while their deeds passed into legend the power of these heroes was later inherited by successors who fought to protect the world one day faria a successor of the seven knights saves an ordinary boy named nemo from the forces of destruction during the ensuing battle nemo summons the power of a hero and becomes a successor as well However, Nemo's hero is a stranger that is unknown to history, and so an epic journey where the past and present collide begins. This is a surprise fate. Yeah. This seems very fate-esque. So that could be something. I mean, people like fate. Like, it's it's a fact. I mean, I I have nothing against fate. I don't dislike how it looks. I'm just like, eh, it just seems rather generic, all things Mm -hmm. considered. Like a generic shonen fantasy, almost. I don't know if it's necessarily shonen, but it seems like it. Is it isekai? Is it isekai if they lived in the world their whole lives? I think it. I think it still can be in the genre. Okay, then Somali the Forest Spirit is isekai, right? I mean, I don't. It's. I don't think it is because it, I think isekai is more the power fantasy than the. Um, at least when we talk about shows being isekai, it like when we're talking about that genre, it's come to become more about power fantasy than. Yeah, like I would. What was the what? What was the one with Anos Voldigode? Um, Misfit at uh, Demon King Academy. Like that was isekai, even though none of the characters are from another world. I'd say. Uh, next on the list. Shadow's House. Faceless shadow nobles living in a vast mansion, attended by living dolls who spend much of their time cleaning up the soot endlessly emitted by their mysterious masters. Tell the story of Emiliko. Just Emiliko, right? A young and cheerful living doll as she learns her duty serving as attendant for Kate Shadowsama. It's very much like gothic vibes from this one. Yeah. And not just because of the maid dress. Capital G Gothic. But not like my boys, the Ostrogoths, unfortunately. Um, yeah, I really have no idea what this is. Not uh, really. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't watch the first episode of this one, so I don't know. Well, it, it seems all right. Yeah. It doesn't seem like there's that much of a premise here, though, is the only thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's probably her, like, it, either it's like a slice of life daily something or other, or it's... Her figuring out humanity? I don't know. Maybe. A, I, I don't know much. Is it just like Pinocchio, but gothic horror? Next up on the list is Shakuetsu Kabadi. First year high school student Tatsuya Yoegoshi, the former ace of a junior high school soccer team who has come to dislike sports, receives an invitation to join the Kabadi club. Initially mocking the idea of Kabadi. Kabadi, I don't know. I don't know where the emphasis falls. 
He takes an interest after watching an intense competition akin to martial arts at a practice session. So I had to look up what this activity is. It is a sport from the Indian subcontinent. It's the national game of Bangladesh. Uh, where there's like two teams of four or five, I think. And they, they each have like their own side of the play field. And they each send one person over to try and tag out everybody on the other team in one breath. Uh, huh. It's like a pretty small playing field, I think. But yeah, it's like it's the national game of Pakistan and it's a, not Pakistan. Bangladesh, and it's you know it's big in all of those uh, in in that general area, and kind of spreading from there. I mean, I'm all for sports animes about not obscure sports, but like not football or soccer things that are outside the beaten path, right? Like rock climbing or um or um rhythm gymnastics. Yeah, but yeah. This seems like the most interesting sports anime we have on the docket this season. And that might just be because I've never heard of the activity before. <laughs> it's tough to say. Yeah, well, it'll be interesting if they explain the activity all that much, or if, like how much of the focus is actually on it, you know? Uh, next up is Slime Taushite 300 Nin. Shiranai Uchi ni Level Max ni Natamishita. Suddenly dying from overwork, salary woman Azusa Aizawa finds herself before an angel who allows her to reincarnate into a new world as an immortal witch, where she spends her days killing slimes for money on an otherwise eternal vacation. But even the minimal experience points from slimes will add up after what, hundreds of years, and Azusa discovers that she accidentally reached the maximum level, fearing that her strong abilities will attract work and force her back to a life of overexertion, she decides to hide her strength in order to preserve her peaceful lifestyle. Despite her efforts, tales of the max-level Witch of the Plateau spread across the land, and a proud dragon named Raika shows up looking to test their strength against her. Even though Asusa defeats and befriends Raika, problems arise as both friends and foes come looking for the secluded witch. It's an isekai. Therefore, I have no expectations. By the way, this is why in games, if you have like five level difference, you don't get XP from stuff. Unless and it's like Kingdom MMOs Hearts where stuff. you can just grind on the Heartless in the first room. And this is more of MMOs, not RPGs. Yeah. Fair enough. In RPGs, they don't care about power balance. Well, it's also in Kingdom Hearts, the XP scaling is based on the enemies you kill, not your relative level. So they're always worth one XP. It's just one XP gets you further at the lower levels than it does at the top. Um, but yeah, the premise seems somewhat interesting. Almost like um, like Psyche K, like someone super powerful trying to keep it hidden. But eh, I didn't really care. I didn't. It seemed more like a slice of life picking up the um, trying to be a comedy and not really. I don't know. Honestly, there was a, another anime that this kind of reminds me of that came out a few seasons ago where the guy was reincarnated and he just experimented on slimes and just knows a lot about them. There was one that was called like the hero is overpowered but overly cautious, something like that. Oh yeah, that, that was also... It was at some point. I don't know, this one isn't doing it for me. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it is doing it for me. S S S S, Dynazone. Dynazenon. What the fuck? Dynazenon. Okay. <laughs> One day, Yomogi Asakana, a first-year student at Fujiyuki Dai High School, runs into a mysterious man named Goma who claims to be a kaiju user. The sudden appearance of a kaiju is followed by the entry of the gigantic robot Donut Zone. In the wrong place at the wrong time, are you and me on me? Koyomi, Yama, Naka, and Chise Aka, Asukagawa. There we go. Who are jacking the fight against the kaiju. Uh, so, first of all, this one is in the same universe as SSSS Gridman from a year or two ago, which I quite enjoyed. I liked it a lot. I, I'm, I'm, pretty, I'm looking forward to this one quite a bit myself. But anyway, uh, it looks fun. I mean, big monsters and robots. Yeah. I'm into that. 
I can't really think of much more to say about it, but I'm into all of the things that it's saying. So I did like the colors on the mechas. It's not just like boring metal. It's like hot pink and yeah, um, mm-hmm. like bright colors. Well, it is a trigger anime. Trigger usually does good stuff. I will warn you, Andrew. It is a mecha anime. I know. I have that in my notes. I'm like, eh, it is a mecha. Next up is Super Cub. Second year high school student Koguma doesn't lead a very interesting life. She has no parents and no friends nor hobbies to keep her daily life busy. One day, she acquires a secondhand Honda Super Cub motorcycle and rides it to school. As time goes by, not only does Koguma have a new adventurous life, but she also forges precious friendships thanks to her precious little motorcycle. Yeah, it's big Yuri camp vibes. Okay. So, does she join a motorcycle club? Yes. I, I don't... I don't know if I'd call it a club, but... I think it's just she finds friends who also motorcycle. It's like, yeah, they're technically a club. They're not, like, officially. They're not a club. They're a motorcycle gang. Yeah. 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 But yeah, if you like Yuru Camp, I, I think this one's probably going to be fun. And if you haven't seen Yuru Camp, we'll go watch Yuru Camp. So, the world ends with you. Neku Sakuraba, a 15-year-old boy with a hobby for music and graffiti, wakes up in what seems to be the Shibuya shopping district of Tokyo, Japan. With no idea why he's there, he opens his hand to realize he's holding a strange black pen. After flipping it with his hand, the thoughts of the people surrounding him begins to flow into his head at once. Surprisingly, Neku discovers he is able to read the minds of others and assumes it has something to do with the black pen he is holding. A cell phone starts to ring in his pocket, and he can't tell whether it is his or not. A text message appears. Reach 104. You have 60 minutes. Fail and face erasure. The Reapers. After discovering he can't delete the message, a timer of 60 minutes imprints onto his right hand. Neku is in Shibuya to play the Reapers game, which spans a total of seven days. All players of the Reapers game have a black pin with a skull embedded on it. I have never played the DS game or its remaster. Is it a visual novel or is it like a... It's an RPG. Okay. I've played the Switch port. If anything, I would say it's like an evolution of the original uh, chain of memories in terms of gameplay. They took out the card system and replaced it with like controlling two different characters at once with different control methods, which sounds like a nightmare to me. Yeah, I didn't enjoy it that much. But I've always thought that the art from the game looked gorgeous and the music look was really cool. It just did not seem like the kind of game I would ever actually want to play. Yeah. Uh, so to have an anime version of it is really nice because, you know, I can still have the story without having to deal with the unfun looking gameplay. I think one thing I will say is that a lot of the time with video game adaptations, they will have... Um, like, they'll focus so much on the story that it cuts out moments when there's gameplay. And so a lot of big moments in terms of fighting don't really feel that big because you don't get that emotion, like, investment in it, I feel. Yeah. You don't really feel the, I don't want to say power creep, but, like, the characters growing in power and stuff. Yeah, like, when the characters fight, it just kind of happens. At least that's how the first arc of P5A was. But I think visually it looks cool. Yeah, it looks really, really cool. It's, it's, uh, it's pretty amazing how well they translated like just the illustrations to actual animation. Yeah. And it looks... It doesn't look like... I, I mean, it looks like an anime, but it doesn't look like typical anime. It kind of has like big, bold outlines and stuff. Like it, it looks kind of still like a video game almost. Yeah. Yeah. I'm into it. Uh, next on the list. Tokyo Revengers. Takemichi Hanagaki's life is at an all-time low. Just when he thought he couldn't get worse. Thought it couldn't get worse. He found out that Hinata Tachibana, his ex-girlfriend, was murdered by the Tokyo Manji Gang, a group of vicious criminals that have that has been disturbing society's peace for quite some time. Wondering where it all went wrong, 
Takemichi suddenly finds himself traveling through time, ending up 12 years in the past when he was still in a relationship with Hinata. Realizing he has a chance to save her, Takemichi resolves to infiltrate the Tokyo Manji gang and climb the ranks in order to rewrite the future and save Hinata from her tragic fate. Calling it now, plot twist, he ends up killing her. Something. I don't think that's the kind of time travel it is. I don't think so either. I think it's like he's... He's now in the body of his 12 years past self. Right. I, I'm i saying, like, he wasn't the one who killed her last time, but now somehow he's going to end up doing something that ends up killing her. Like, her dying is somehow a, some sort of fixed event or something, if that makes sense. No matter how it happens. I'm not saying he's the one who killed her. Okay. I'm saying he, he, he will be now that he's trying to not kill her sort of thing. Okay. Yeah. Just that, that's a time travel twist, you know, like, oh, we got to yeah. stop this thing, and oh, no, the thing is going to happen anyways. Right? Yeah. And that's basically the plot of Stein's Gate. Or, I guess the other one is that um, in saving her, he becomes someone that she doesn't like. And so, mm-hmm. there's no point to saving her type of thing. Or, not there's no point, but... Next up on the list. Uh, Vivi, Fluorite Eyes Song. Vivi. Nearland, an AI complex theme park where dreams, hopes, and science intermingle. It is the first ever autonomous humanoid AI. Vivi acts as an AI cast for the establishment. To fulfill her mission of making everyone happy through song, she continues to take the stage and perform with all her heart. However, the theme park is still lacking in popularity. One day, an AI named Matsumoto appears before Vivi and explains that he has traveled from 100 years in the future with the mission to correct history with Vivi and prevent the war between AI and humanity that's set to place 100 years later. What, what sort of future will the encounter of two AI with different missions redraw? This is the story of AI destroying AI. AI Diva Vivi's 100-year journey begins. Big concept there. Lots going on. Yeah. Seems like it could be really interesting. Yeah, it does seem very conceptual, though, in that, like, probably about her finding a place in the world type of thing. That seems fun enough. Interesting concept, for sure. All right, and lastly, we have one more. Yakunara Mugkatmo. The city of Tajimi, located in the southern part of Gifu Prefecture, Japan, is famous for Mino earthenware. The city is dotted with historical pottery producers and ceramic art museums. It has facilities where you can try your hand at making pottery, and many restaurants that serve food on Minoware dishes. The story begins when a high school girl moves to a shopping street in Taijima. Many encounters await her friends, townfolk, ceramic art, etc. What will she discover in a town famous for ceramics? About time we had a Moe anime. Is Super Cub not Moe? No, I feel like Super Cub is going to be a bit about the motorcycles. Like, this feels like it's just, oh, pottery's a side piece. I don't most moe that are centered around something like this still have that as a somewhat prominent thing. It's really only the bad moe that just kind of use it as an excuse to get the group together. I don't think this is going to be a bad moe. I think it looks pretty good. This PV also gave me big Yuri Camp vibes, but I think it was mostly the music. The music. Interesting. I still, ha- I still haven't seen Yuri Camp. Watch it. This is the same studio that did Hunter Hunter. Or uh, the OG Hunter Hunter, I think. Nippon Animation from the 90s one. Or I guess early 2000s. Yeah, because it, it does not look like Hunter Hunter. <laughs> I will say that. A different style, but that's different genre. Like, that's fine. Um, Is it time to pick? I think it's time to pick, boys. Uh, so Chris is up first. Yes. I'm going to pick Osamaki, which is the love comedy one. Mainly because I know that if I don't pick it, I'm going to be kicking myself for not picking it. I knew you would pick that one. I considered picking it myself, but I'm like, nah, Chris got it. Alright, so I'm going next. And I'm going to pick Mashiro no Oto, the shamisen anime. Yeah, that was my second pick. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Thank you, John. You're welcome. We're gonna go with a bit of an interesting gamble. Let's go with Jiren, the Princess of Snow and Blood. Either 
gonna win it all or lose big. <laughs> yeah, probably. Could be really good, but if it's not, it's gonna get dropped like a hot potato. If you liked what you heard here, make sure to follow us at Wappercast on Twitter for in- more information about the show and the occasional funny. Uh, we will be posting a poll for the seven shows that will uh, finish out our lineup for the next season. And you can go vote there on Twitter, and there will be a link in the description of this episode there. Our next episode will be April 21st, which is next Wednesday. Our next OVA will be over... Howl's Moving Castle and Spirited Away, and that will be coming out on May 14th. So look forward to that. I mean, you mentioned the poll, and that's really the big thing, right? Yeah. Yeah, so uh, thank you for listening. I have been Chris, your new CEO of Weebs. I've been John, working on a plan to get my title back. I've been Andrew. Eh. Beep boop. Ravioli.